With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pass has some trouble and finally gets it back to Callier. Hits the screen from Gordon. Three left on the clock. Step back. Three point shot. Gone! Pulled from Dominic Callier. Dominic Collier, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful step back. This is the BSN Denver Bus Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome into the BSN Bus Podcast, coming to you from, well, as we like to call it, the Fake Street Tavern. Uh, not at the Blake Street Tavern today. We couldn't make it down there in time. Uh, I'm going out of town, headed off to Vegas early tomorrow morning, late tomorrow night, or t- today night. I don't even know. It's 2 in the morning. I have to catch my. Uh, bus down to catch my flight so i am headed out to vegas for the pac-12 tournament Allie, ryan both out of town ryan's at the combine Allie's home catching up with her parents so i am left with chase Howell. chase how does it feel to be the last resort here on the bsn bus podcast i am the third string quarterback today but um i'll take it i guess i'm in the tyler Lytle position you're the uh, clipboard jesus yeah. of the bsn buffs podcast i'll be calling the plays from the sideline Everyone likes how you look behind the scenes. Nobody likes it when you're actually in control of anything. But uh, actually, uh, Blake Street Tavern, our favorite place to go check out the games. If you are not headed to Vegas, uh, you will not see Tyler Ziskin behind the bar because he's headed there with me. But great place to go check out the games all March Madness long. The system they have for the games at March Madness is incredible. Tyler spends... uh, weeks making sure everyone gets to watch the games they want to watch so check out the Blake Street Tavern for March Madness they will get it hooked up today on the podcast we're going to preview that Pac-12 basketball tournament as well as talk about some other stuff uh, regarding the basketball team but first we got to start with the football team and you know the combine obviously overshadowing what's going on at spring ball right now but the big story out of spring ball uh, happened Saturday Chase was there I was actually at the basketball game when this happened but Chase, uh, you saw it happen. Uh, well, well, you didn't we, see it happen can't. because it was an open. It was a closed practice. It was a closed practice, so but, I was uh, not peeking through any gates. You were not peeking through any gates. You did not see. Uh, tell me what you didn't see happen. All right. Um, well, I know it was just on a random play. They were scrimmaging, of course, on Saturday at Folsom Field. Just kind of freak accident. Kyle Evans gets hit, falls. You, you, we. Um, it was me and Bree Thomas that were standing there, and we kind of heard up, him. Breezy. <laughs> we kind of heard him scream, and uh, no, you didn't hear him scream. Oh well, when we were turned away from the practice, there was some noise behind us, and we knew that something was wrong pretty quickly. Everyone gathered around him. Um, Phil you, Lindsay was right next to him. So that's you how didn't see Phil Lindsay right next to him comforting him. You didn't see Mike McIntyre there comforting him either. Right. These you didn't all, see an ambulance. These are all away. alternative facts, but um, ambulance came and got him, and it was kind of a sad day at practice from then on. And I mean, as Bree texted me because Bree was, you were both texting me as it happened, but she's right. Uh, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, Kyle. You see him around. 
all the time. I run into him frequently uh, around campus, and just the nicest guy. Uh, his Twitter handle's Chocolate Drop. I affectionately call him tro- Chocolate Drop Drop because he's just he's a good dude. Uh, and honestly, first things first, we wish him all the best in recovering because uh, we don't actually know it was a hip something yeah, injury I think a dislocation to the hip and he had surgery yesterday right whatever it is it's a pretty serious deal and we we obviously hope that he's okay but it has a pretty major impact on the buffs running back situation because while it seems like they have a lot of depth there they really don't it's kind of phil Lindsay and a bunch of names at this point because well let's run you through it michael adkins still on the team uh, which I jokingly said last week on the podcast, he's the guy that no one's going to realize is on the team. Now you might realize he's on the team because uh, depending on how this Kyle Evans injury goes, and it sounds like he could be out for a while, Atkins could see some serious playing time early into next season, let alone just in fall camp. And then you have uh, Donovan Lee, who's been practicing with the DVs and DBs and hasn't even moved back to running back since this injury happened. So expect Donovan Lee to still stick a DB for the time being. And then you have two other running backs on the team, uh, a senior walk-on, Tanner Grizzlelak, and then the big name here, sophomore running back from Sacramento, California, Bo Bicharet, who's basically been a fullback for the Buffs at this point. And for everyone that said they should move Bo to linebacker, bet you're kind of happy they didn't now uh, because it's looking like when you step into fall camp, it's going to be Bo Bicharet and Alex Fontenot fighting for the spell running back job of Phil Lindsay. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's definitely what it's going to be. Bo Bishrat is getting his opportunity here. He's going to be the uh, second running. I mean, he kind of was last year. He was the number two running back in garbage time. But during the games, it was more Kyle Evans, right? Yeah, and Bo was playing a lot in a fullback role, yeah. especially when they ran that one package where Cepho would QB scramble every single time out of that package. They literally didn't even have another play. Uh, which is hilarious that they just go, all right, we've got a six foot five quarterback that moves slower than Vince Wilfork, uh, and he's also ginormous. Uh, and we've got some guys in the backfield that are going to push him, try to stop him, and nine out of ten times it worked. But uh, yeah, no, Bo is a very talented running back, and he's a different running back for Colorado because Phil Lindsay, five foot eight, 190 pounds. That's small, right? Well, Kyle Evans, five foot six, 175 pounds. Colorado's been using these smaller running backs. So now you look at a guy in Bo Bisher at six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's more of the bulky guy, you know, the more of the Christian Pauls that the Colorado's had in the past. He's bigger than Christian Paul. But I, I will say this too. Katie Nixon is a guy that most people have said he could be a scat back for Colorado. He can play in that wide receiver kind of running back slot situation. And he fits more into the body type of a Kyle Evans Philip Lindsay, although he isn't as as uh I guess uh, wide yeah the one thing that we didn't see uh Bisharad do last year was catch the ball out of the backfield um so when you're looking for a, a running back that is going to play receiver we don't know how good Bisharad is at that I think um putting KD Nixon in a situation like that if Kyle Evans can't go next year will will be a good thing for the Buffaloes because he he's so dynamic on his tape he can do so many things for you and you're right he he is that size of Kyle Evans and so he can run those screenplay screenplays where he just has to slip through people, unlike Bishrat, where he's more of a big guy and won't be able to catch the ball out of the backfield as much. I mean, you just mentioned it. Phil or Bo didn't have any catches last year. Phil had thirty seven 
and I'm trying to find Kyle's, but I know Kyle had a bunch too because, uh, I mean, they, what's Kyle? Let's see. Kyle had, uh, Kyle had, oh, only six. But <laughs> my point being is that when you saw what Colorado was doing well with Phil Lindsay last year, it was kind of motioning him out of the backfield and running these kind of hybrid screen slash dump off routes. And it worked really well. Bo Bichorette's not the guy that's going to be able to break those. Uh, Bo Bichorette's the guy that's going to be able to run through the middle, which with an improved offensive line, which happened last year, and they'll probably take a step forward even this year, even though Alex Kelly's gone. They have a lot of returning guys. Bo Bichorette could take advantage of that middle of the defense, middle of the offense uh, kind of strength for Colorado now. And also with it being uh, Colorado can run a spread offense this year with the amount of talent they have on the outside, plus Montez's arm, which really opens up the middle for Bicharette. Uh So Kyle Evans, uh, I think, was going to face heat from Bo Bicharette either way going into this. But I now think that when you look at fall camp and you look at right now, if you were to ask me today who's going to spell Phil Lindsay, I'm going to say Bo Bicharette, and I'm going to say that Colorado's going to be very, very uh, eyes open towards the thought of putting Alex Fontenot uh, in the role of having him play play some serious minutes next year and maybe even compete with Bicharette for that spell role, whereas before I would have said they'd look at redshirting Fontenot, but I really just don't think they want to play Michael Adkins as proved by you know last year and how little time he got. Yeah, it looks like Atkins is career with the buffalo is pretty much over i mean this could change things but he really he's not the kyle evans type of back he's another guy that um you you want running through the middle because he's a taller i don't know how how much bigger he has gotten five muscle, 10, muscle wise, on but the, yeah he's a little taller you want him running through the middle i don't know i mean he could be the guy i think we'll see what alex fontenot brings when he comes to see you in the fall um, but he's very multidimensional, so they'll be able to use him in a bunch of different ways. But, you know, and I will make this final point. Alex Fontenot, four-star. Bo Bichret was a four-star by some. Alex Fontenot was a four-star across the board, I believe. Even then, you know, when you're when you're a four-star running back, that's just one of those positions it's hard to step on campus and make an impact to that level right away. Uh, and that's why I don't think you can expect Fontenot to be, you know, a star running back right away. Uh, but, you know, fortunately for Colorado, it's their backup running back, and Phil Lindsay is an absolute beast, uh, and they're in a pretty good spot. But I don't know if Phil Lindsay can take on the load that he took on last year without Cepho Lufau because Cepho opened up so much because he had his own legs. And, yes, Montez can open up that too, but we've yet to see it on a consistent basis. Can Montez take the the beating and the bruising that Cepho took, and that's going to be one of the big questions, I think, uh, early on next season. This first segment has been brought to you by the Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, right next to the First Bank Center with 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. They are the home for Colorado craft beers. From wheat beers to nitro nitros to IPAs to ales. Ales, did I say it right? It was close. It was close? <sighs> say you got it completely right, but it was close. Nobody does craft beer like the well, I don't say Colorado, right? So, Colorado Keg House. You can sit at their huge bar, their tables, or their lounge area, but no matter where you sit, you'll be in front of a TV with sports on. So, next time you're looking for something to do, go down to the Colorado Keg House off Wadsworth and 36 in Broomfield. One of my friends is moving out there and goes, oh, it's like across the street from the Colorado Keg House. I'm like, dope. I'm like, that's awesome. Go like, watch some games. Go watch some games. Get Drink some, some owls. Yeah. Uh, drink some owls and take no L's. <laughs> 
the next thing we want to talk about a little bit is the uh, NFL Combine. We've been talking about it a lot, and it's a good thing that we're talking about it because last year we didn't really get to talk about it a lot because, you know, no one really got drafted for Colorado. Uh, no one did get drafted for Colorado, actually. And this year you've got three guys that are seriously hunting in that day two group, and then you've got a quarterback in Cepha Lufau that, uh, well, you know, I have no idea where he's going to go in the draft, but – I was talking to someone within the Colorado Athletic Department, and I always say this, and they said the same thing. It only takes one team to, to believe that Cepho can be you know, a backup quarterback or someone of value to their team, and all of a sudden he's a guy that goes in the fifth round instead of as an undrafted free agent or whatever. But uh, some great stuff from the combine out of these guys. Yeah, it was uh, the defensive backs, the money gang, that made all the noise um, yesterday on Monday. All three of them ran impressive 40 times. Tedrick Thompson being the slowest at 4.6. We weren't expecting a big number out of Tedrick. He's not really a speedy guy. Because he's but, a big guy. Yeah. But uh, Cheeto put on a show. He ran a 4.43 uh, blazing speed. People were expecting him to be in like, well, scouts, not us. We've seen his speed. But people were expecting him to be in like the 4.55 range. Because he plays more like a linebacker. Yeah, because he – yeah. You do, you don't get to see him show off his speed. He runs four four three. Definitely impressed the scouts there. He also had a hundred and thirty two inch broad jump, which the Buffaloes tweeted out was the second most at the combine. You could you could say it was a broad. It was a broad. He he he's broadly on top of the. You know I'm gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last guy was Akella Witherspoon. He also blazing speed four five five. And Akello's a guy that I've talked to NFL or, or NFL scout guy or draft guy. I don't, Andre Simone, if you know him at BSN Denver, he does great work. Uh, I've talked to him, and Akello all year kind of has been the third out of the three in terms of where these three are going to be drafted. And all year, me and Andre have agreed that once they see Akello's measurables and his raw statistics – from the combine, they're going to go back and look at his film and be absolutely blown away. And Andre loves Akello, and I'm really interested to hear what Andre thinks of him at the pro day tomorrow. You're going to that. Sam's going to that too. Uh, and that's kind of the next step for these guys. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what they can do in the pro day tomorrow. I'm, they all, well, besides Cepho, they all had a great combine. Um, so hopefully they can put those numbers up again. I wanted to mention Akello's vertical jump in the combine was 40 and a half inches which for a guy that's six three uh th- that's a pretty big number to put up how many shaps is that Ooh, i don't know how many inches are you uh, well, five times 12 uh, that's not like the first feet? time i've been asked that question <laughs> um now I'm five six four six, so 64 inches 64. it's like two shafts no, no, so 40 inches. So it's like it's so, like three quarters of a shaft. Yeah, it's like three quarters of a shaft. So Keller Witherspoon can Sorry. jump three quarters of a shaft. <laughs> and he's already 6'3", so what's that like? He, a that lot. puts him like almost 10 feet in the air with his head. So Akello <laughs> can just like hit the rim with his head <laughs> if he were to, to jump in basketball. We'll be following that around. Uh, you know, you can follow that. We're going to release this podcast. We're doing it on Tuesday afternoon. We're going to release this a little bit later tonight. But we're, you can follow that along all morning tomorrow and afternoon tomorrow. They'll be running at around 2 o'clock. Like I said, Andre, Chase, and Sam will be there for us. Uh, so make sure to follow that along. I'll be in Vegas uh, at the uh, Pac-12 tournament. And uh, we're going to get to that Pac-12 tournament oh, stuff. Oh, by the way, just 
Yeah, go ahead. Quick pro day thing. Um, Josh Tupo and Jimmy Gilbert, they didn't get to make the trip to the combine. I think tomorrow is the most important day for those two to put up good numbers. How about Kenneth Olobode, I think, is in that group. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, that there's, one too. there's a couple of groups for Colorado. Like Alex Kelly's kind of the guy I, I want because I, I, I want to see him succeed. He's such a nice guy, but I just don't think he will at the next level. But I think Kenneth Olobode, Jimmy Gilbert, and Josh Tupo are three guys that – have a good chance to succeed at the next level that didn't get the invites to the combine. So those are three guys that I think really need to perform tomorrow. Uh, the We're going to get to the Pac-12 stuff in a second, but Colorado Safe Outlet has the largest selections of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes that don't suit your needs. Instead, come to Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need. No more, no less. I said that way too fast. <laughs> Once you pick the perfect safe, they will deliver to your home fast and easy. Check them out online at ColoradoSafeOutlet.com or visit them at one of their two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. Uh, the Pac-12 tournament starts tomorrow afternoon. Colorado is a 7 seed. They're playing the 10-seeded Washington State Cougars. Right there, the 7. Yeah? Yeah, that, yeah they're the 7 right. seven ten. I'm so used to them being in that 5-12 game on, on Saturday or on Wednesday afternoon that it's it's so weird. But the winner of which will play Arizona in the, uh, I guess that would be quarterfinals, quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, both of those games, tomorrow's game will be at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. And then if they play Arizona, it will be at 7 o'clock Mountain Time on Thursday. Uh this is really big for Colorado, obviously, because they sit at 18 wins. Uh, the NIT kind of wants you to get to 19 or more. So looking at what Colorado needs to do to just get into the NIT, I think they've got to win one game uh, in Vegas. And, oh, well, you know what? Stop for a second because I forgot this is about the NFL Combine. This is totally me just being scatterbrained but so yesterday and this is a story from inside practice yesterday after practice uh when because the guys were running during practice cheeto ted and akello were running during practice and uh they you know they the players didn't know their times obviously they're they're really good friends with these guys and afalabe laguda was the first to find out about their times so he's checking his phone after he's taking his cleats off and they're kind of all just sitting there and Afalabe goes, you know, Cheeto, Cheeto ran a 4-4-4 and Keller ran a 4-4-5. And Phil Lindsay literally falls back. He's sitting down. He falls back onto his back and goes, my God. <laughs> and then Shea Fields goes, 4-4-4 and a 4-4-5? Like in like the most like high-pitched Shea Fields like shocked voice because Shea is the biggest character ever. I'm just going to start ripping Shea on the podcast for being Shea Fields. Um, I, I told Sam uh, while I was walking I was walking with her the other day, I'm just like, you know, I think we should do a story, like a feature story on Shea Fields, and the headline should be, Shea Fields is the cliche star receiver, comma, he lives up to it. Like, he is, yeah. just, he is just the epitome of what a star wide receiver is. Yeah, you can't not love Shea Fields because he's just kind of the quirky star receiver. Um, he he's fun. he wears weird clothes like he's just everything he's the big can, man on campus yeah. like everything about him uh if you're i don't know who allows shay to be snapchat friends with him i think you have to be a girl to get in on that one uh but i've seen some of those and uh shay you, got, you gotta you gotta tone down the uh the shirtless dancing buddy uh from bro to bro just a little bit just a little bit like a little shirtless dancing's good like especially when you look like that 
Yeah. But like. Well, he has been working on the dad bod, hasn't he? He's got a little bit of a. And you know what was sad? Because I talked about on the podcast last week that he's got a little beer belly. So he went from the crop. He was wearing the crop top literally all of spring. Yesterday at practice, crop top gone. I think he might listen to the BSN Buffs podcast. Yeah, got a little. Uh, Shea Fields is a secret listener to the BSN podcast. Anyways, uh, so that was a little story from. He won't inside. ever tell us because the Blakeout Boys thing. The Blakeout Boys, yeah, he, he hates that. Did I ever tell that story on the podcast? I'm not sure. Okay, well, this is what happened because uh, I've told the story to Chase, but this is so uh, Ryan, Ted, and I were at Blake Street one day, and we took a picture of us outside of Blake Street, making the Blackout Boys hand symbols, and we. Ryan tweeted out the caption, hashtag Blakeout Boys. So I had an interview. That was like on a Saturday. And I had an interview with Shay on Monday. And I went up and me, it was an on-camera interview because I was doing it for, uh, for Fox College Sports. And I, I did it. And then after the interview got done, I was doing another interview with him for us. And I, stopped, I was opening up my phone. I'm like, oh, Shay, I got to show you something. I'm going to show you something. He's like, what? And like, cause I'm, I'm with like, I'm, I'm with a couple people and he's like more entertained with the other people than he is me. And he's just like, don't bother me. Like, I, I don't need to be bothered by you and your antics. Cause like everyone knows me and my antics. Uh, and I'm like, dude, you gotta see this. So he's like, all right. So I open up my phone, show him the picture of like the three whitest dudes possible with the, like the hand symbols. Ryan's doing a rap squat in the picture and hashtag Blakeout boys. And he literally like falls back two steps, goes, God damn it. We got to change. We like, we got like, we can't, we can't be calling ourselves the blackout boys anymore. You ruined it. You ruined it. And then he walked away and didn't even do the interview with me. And then I had to wait to do the interview with him the next day. So that's the blackout boys story. Uh, and then for two weeks when I saw him, every time I'd see him, I'd say blackout boys. And then uh, eventually one day he came up to me and said blackout boys. And then, um, after one of the games, I tweeted out this picture, but this is what happened behind this picture. He comes up to me with the hand symbol in my face and makes me take a picture of him. And he says, he goes, you tweet that with hashtag blackout boys. I'm like, okay. And then the next day at practice, cause it was, uh, it was like a Monday or a Sunday or something like that. They were practicing at a weird time. We were just sitting there and I started talking to him and I'm like, you're, I'm really in your head about this Blakeout Boys thing, aren't I? So this is like going on over the course of the season. And he's like, he's like, nah, like I'm just playing with you. I'm like, no, I'm in your head. Like I'm in your head more than any other defense, like more than any defensive back in the Pac-12 has been in your head. I am in your head. He's like, he's like you're true. That, that's true. And then he walked away. So that, that, that was the Blakeout Boys story that lasted the entirety of the 2016 season, me and Sheffield's going back and forth. But uh, it started off with talking about the Pac-12 tournament. All right, back to basketball. Back to basketball. Uh, we're going to bounce back to basketball. Uh, Come on. Am I supposed to be Allie there? Jake. Oh, my God. These puns are nothing but <laughs> nylon, Chase. Oh, my God. <laughs> Extremely Allie voice. I hope she listens. Uh, I'm sorry, Allie. Yeah. Sorry, Al. Uh um, so the Pac-12 basketball tournament starts on Wednesday. Uh, first game is then. We think they got to win one game to make the NIT. That's kind of what I've heard. Uh, and they probably host the NIT. Uh, maybe. I don't want to say probably. But there's a good chance they would host the NIT just because of 
they kind of just go where the money is. It doesn't depend on lower or higher seeds. They just kind of go who on depends depends on who sells the most tickets, and they can guarantee that Colorado will sell like 4,000, 5,000 tickets to these NIT games. So uh, I think tomorrow's game is huge because Colorado has a chance to extend their season. I think if they beat Arizona, they're they're a lock for the NIT. If they beat Washington State, I think there's a there's a you know ninety percent chance. Maybe we'll go with if they beat Arizona, there's a cha- a much better chance they'll play at home, which is probably the key for right. most listeners. And what I will say this too is, despite popular reports, the bubble is not weak this year. It is mm-hmm. very very strong. Colorado at least has to go to the Pac-12 tournament final to make it into the tournament, and that would entail them beating Washington State, Arizona, then UCLA on back-to-back days, and then losing to Oregon in that Pac-12 tournament final. But I still don't think that that's – I still don't – one, that's not likely. Two, I don't think that they are a lock to get into the tournament even in that case. So you're looking at them having to beat on back-to-back days, Arizona, UCLA, then Oregon if, you know, the, if the tournament plays out the way that it's kind of seeded to. So, uh, for those of you still hoping on the big dance, I admire your your faith. Uh, it's as much faith that Kennedy Leonard has in the Kennedy Leonard story. I think Kennedy's is more rooted in something that's actual, and uh-huh. yours is kind of uh, a little short-sighted. But, hey, I admire it. I understand being a fan. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan, been a Cubs fan my whole life, and I, I understand, you know, where you're coming from. So, But uh, I, I just – I really don't – I don't think it looks too good for Colorado at this point. If you're hoping big dance, NIT, I think you got a pretty good chance. But uh, the other team on campus, and I'll just bounce this real quick, speaking of women's basketball, if selection Monday is for women's basketball, so selection Sunday, then the women's tournament gets selected on Monday. Colorado women will not make the NCAA tournament. They're 15-15, and but there's a pretty good chance that they make the women's NIT because there's 64 teams in the women's NIT, which is absurd. And there's a pretty good chance that they'll host a game too because that same thing uh, with the ticket sales. So just look out for that. Uh, Pretty good story there. You know, I just dropped my Kennedy story on Monday. Uh, If you haven't read it, please do. I've never spent as much time on anything as I spent on that story. Uh, and for those who think I look like her, which is Burroughs and Goose, uh, I'm still waiting for the comment, why would you spend, of course you spent so much time writing a story about yourself. I feel you. But uh, but no, she, it was a great story, and I, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to tell it, and I'm, I'm really happy with uh, the way it's been received. I, you know, I got to spend the whole day with her. She's a terrific girl. Uh I have a hard time – I call these people kids sometimes, but Kennedy's like two years younger than me, so mm-hmm. I don't know why I could call her a kid. But terrific kid mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, dog lover. Well, who's not to love a, a dog lover? So uh, great story uh, uh, that we have up on BSN Buffs and obviously more great content coming up, but check that one out. That's our big drop of the week. So what was your whole, like, thinking behind writing about Kennedy Leonard in the first place? Well, uh, basically – so I've been – writing this story in my head for three months and I've been writing it on paper for a month, but I, I, you know, I've been, I follow women's basketball uh, because I call the games too. You've heard some of the play by play calls at the start of the podcast uh, for women's. And, you know, I just kind of follow it haphazardly, you know, more intensely than most fans do. But in terms of my standards, I cover it haphazardly and I just kind of pay attention to it. I follow it on Twitter 
And I followed it last year as well. And Kennedy and Alexis were this great story, this freshman backcourt doing so well for this terrible team. And they were so good. And then I was like, when Linda Lappy left, I was like, well, Kennedy has an opportunity to go wherever she wants in the country because she's one of the best freshmen in the country. So she could go to UConn. She could go anywhere. And she stayed, and I was like, okay, i got to follow this along a little bit. J.R. Payne, I was at her introductory press conference. I've heard kind of what she said. I'm like, I'm interested in this. And as the season's gone along, Kennedy has just gotten to be this unbelievable scorer. And I was at the game. I was calling the game earlier this season where she dropped 31. Yeah, CSU game. I was there, too. Right, and that's the game where I was kind of like, okay, she's legit. Like, and – you know, I started following it along, and I was kind of waiting for my spot. And I saw that they got better throughout the Pac-12 season, and then I realized there was a story there to be told. But obviously we don't do women's coverage on the day-to-day, but, you know, I kind of realized that she is putting herself in rare air. She's already, after her sophomore season, and it's not complete yet, but she's already one of the better basketball players after two seasons in Colorado women's history, which is way better historically of a program than the men's team. And so, I, you know, it was, I, I've always been interested in kind of just these type of stories that, you know, this legacy, the, this impending greatness, and no one had really written about Kennedy uh, doing so well just because the team is not that good. Uh, so my whole, the lead, I wrote the lead to that story, which is, you know, she's sitting by, underneath the, the mural where it says where legends roam. Uh, I, you know, I was sitting at practice one day uh, after men's practice and the women's team was practicing. I was just sitting on the side of the court and she was the only one there and before women's practice and she was just putting up shots. And I just looked up at the where legends roam thing. And I looked down at her and I'm like, that makes sense. I'm just like, that makes sense in my head. She fits on that mural because of, I see her work, work ethic. When I, when I try to portray her work ethic in that piece, I swear to God, She's there more than anyone. Like, I'm there all the time at the Coors Event Center. I swear to God, I run into her when I'm walking in, walking out. Uh, like, I think they're traveling, and she'll just be like, she was carrying seven balls yesterday, like, just walking around the court. She was just like, um, you know, like, like after men's practice. The only two people that are there more than me uh, that are, like, the only two people that I, that I see every time I'm there are George King and Kennedy Leonard. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, but... The- the coolest part where you portrayed that was when uh, her coaches would text her like, "I hope you're resting today," and she would text them back in the gym. Right, like so. I like for volleyball games over the uh, over the fall, I'd walk you know through the balls of course event center, and they have the upper lower gyms, a couple gyms, and as you walk by the lower gyms, you know you could sneak a peek through the glass windows. And every time I walk by, it's just Kennedy getting shots up by herself or with Lauren Huggins. So it's just like, how does this person do this? So uh, that's kind of you know the question: How does this person do this? This is what makes them great. How do I get that across? And I hope I did a good job of it. Um, anyways, Pac-12 basketball tournament. We are going to talk about it here. Uh, let, let's start this. Uh, yesterday at practice, another story from inside practice because I just insider here, insider chap. Rocky's inside or what buffs insider chef slap actually, insider slap insider chef that's still true did you see that C unit tweet last night I don't think so So CBS sports tweeted out um name your favorite random college basketball player and so I I, I texted it to the guy who runs C unit I'm like Malik Dime and he's like I'm tweeting that 
and they tweeted it. I thought they were going to get in trouble. They didn't, but uh, it's great. Anyways, uh, yesterday uh, after practice, I mean, it was announced during pra- or right before practice that Derek White had been named first team all Pac-12. So after practice, everyone requested Derek White to talk to him just to you know get his reaction. So Derek walks. Derek's getting up shots. So we're waiting like 20 minutes after Tad, uh, and then Derek like stir- scurries over. Just like not, he wasn't not in a good mood. He just was like in a whatever mood. And I'm like, huh. In a Derek White mood. It's He's like, yeah, it's just like kind of in his own zone. He like walks over. So this is the only time I've ever seen this happen. One, every single media member shakes his hand, goes, congrats. It's like, congrats, Derek. Congrats, Derek. Congrats, Derek. Congrats, Derek. He goes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stops. Goes, huh. Wait, what? What, am, what did you guys? What are you congratulating me for? And Pat Rooney's like, seriously, you don't know? And uh, Neil Welk goes, "Your first team Pac-12." And Derek's like, "Oh, that's cool." And then one of the, and then I say, "You're also on the first defensive team." He's like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And then literally after he said that is when, like, if you watch the video on BSN Denver, is when I put up my camera. So like the start of that video. Uh, of him talking to the media after he finds out is literally his reaction to finding out he was first team defensive because he just he like looks down at me because I'm a foot and a half smaller than him and then he looks and like he like smiles and like looks back up and he starts his thing so like he literally found out the the like within the five seconds that that mm-hmm. start of the video was shot like I like he was just so like oh that's like that's yeah that's the, the most Derek White reaction <laughs> right ever. and then his like genuine reaction was just like. Pretty cool to be here. Yeah. Teammates are pretty dope. I mean, you wouldn't really expect anything more from him, though. Like, No. (laughs) That's just Derek White. He doesn't get too overly excited about anything. I don't want to put Derek on blast because I I, I love Derek. No, that's just his personality. No, no, but this is – so I was was, uh, was roaming around Boulder the other night, and this was – they didn't have a game. They didn't have a game the next morning. So team's having fun, Uh, you know, doing their thing. And – uh, you know, everyone, I'm, you know, I'm wearing jeans and a shirt. Like people wear, it's what you wear out. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I think they're, they were getting food. I'm getting food too. So I run into them getting food and Derek's just like in his CU buffs basketball sweatsuit and like everyone else is out. And I'm just like, this is like, I, and I looked at him and I little, huh? You really are Josh Scott, aren't you? Like, you're the second Josh Scott. Because anyone who's seen Josh Scott knows he doesn't go anywhere without his Crocs and sweats. Like, Derek developed into that. And, like, that's when, that's like, the second I saw that, like, two weeks ago, I was like, huh, Derek really is the leader of this team now. Like, Derek's that guy. So, but, uh, you know, I, I really do think that. Colorado's hit their stride as a basketball team as of late. They've won eight out of the last games, eight out of the 11 last games. You look at the two games that they played at home, they played a terrific offensive game against Stanford, terrific defensive game against Cal, uh, vice versa. The uh, other sides of the ball weren't good in either of those games. But I think Colorado is finding themselves uh, a lot of confidence. I think Xavier Johnson's starting to play at a pretty high level. Dominique Collier has been terrific the last six weeks. Yeah. 100 percent i've been very impressed with collier you know i mean he he's had a rough unlucky season that's probably how i'd put it getting that injury in the first game and he was great in that first game against seattle yeah uh, in and the first game yeah 
Right, and you know, Derek's a guy. Uh, I want I want to go to to Derek, but Derek's a guy. If you look at his stats in RMAC tournaments, phenomenal, and you wouldn't expect anything less because he's you know you see how clutch he is, and he takes over games in the last five minutes. So you look at it, and Colorado's guard play has been pretty good all of a sudden, and guard play in March, good mm-hmm. marriage there. Uh, so if Colorado can, I think there is some hope that Colorado can can make a run. But when I say that, I think they're going to make a run in the sense that they're going to win against Washington State. They're either going to lose to Arizona or UCLA, and I'm going to say it's Arizona. And then there's a pretty good chance, I think, that they can make a run in the NIT. Uh, And I I really like their hopes. And let's say they do win the NIT. Let's just put that scenario out there. They would have won somewhere around, you know, 16 of their last 20 games or something like that. And then all of a sudden, as you said to me, we're not talking about how they got knocked out of the first round of the Pac-12 tournament and how they started 0-7 with their season. We're talking about how Colorado finished their season. And even if they lose in the semifinal of the NIT, they end up winning 14 out of their last, like, 18. That's, that's kind of what we thought this team would be. And I think that would be a relief in knowing that this team kind of just underperformed all year. Yeah, they've definitely been able to right this ship back to uh, your normal Colorado basketball and I think that goes back to Dom Collier because he didn't get off to the best start of the season he was hurt for the first few weeks it took him a a good amount of time to get back to normal even when he was playing but these last few weeks he's just been awesome he doesn't take that many shots not even as many shots as he did his freshman or sophomore year but now he's way more efficient he's probably one of their better defenders on the perimeter right now um, I think in the game against Cal on Saturday, he was four for six shooting, two for f- three from the three, and had ten points. Just efficient. And, 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 and three looks, steals. Right. And three steals. He looks so that. good off the ball right now. And that's got to be such a great thing for you know next year when he's going to obviously be one of the leaders of this team with George King and Torrey Miller. But you got Schwartz coming in, and then you also have you know Bryce Peters and Delian Brown. All these guys are combo guards. So if you give Dom the ability to play kind of off the ball instead of as a true point guard, and he's been so good with Derek this year, I think all of a sudden you're in pretty good shape for next year. Uh, I mean, it's a little too early to look to that, but I will want to say this about next year too. Uh, If you're a really big Hoops fan, there is a great event at the Coors Event Center this weekend, and that's the Colorado High School State Basketball Championships 4A and 5A. I think it's at the Coliseum this weekend, or at least 5A is at the Coliseum. Coliseum this year? 4A is here and 5A? Is that because I no, know four A and five A have always been here? Yeah, they have always been here, but not this year because Thunder had just playing in the five A semifinal, and I looked it up, and it's at the Coliseum. Okay, well, wherever it is, <laughs> go check that out. You won't regret it. Those are some of the best high school. Those are the best some of the best basketball games I've watched. Period. Going back to like Wes and X playing, or not Wes and X, Wes and J- uh, Josh playing in the four A title. At, played at Coors Events. Derek White played there. Him. Dom, I re- vividly remember uh, Dom winning a state title for Denver East. Uh, my high school team, Boulder High, got their hearts broken by Regis my sophomore year of high school with Riley Grabo on the team. There's some good basketball, so if you're not going to Vegas, go check that out because that you know I don't care about Pro Day that much, but I genuinely am upset that I always miss this, this week of Colorado Hoops because I do love hoops, and uh, this is a great event. So go check that out if you're a big hoops fan. Uh, you'll see some – guys that'll probably end up at Colorado Deshaun Schwartz uh, is not playing in this but uh, some of the juniors 
yeah. you, you might see a guy or two end up at Colorado, and it's always fun to follow those guys' career along. Um, Thunder Ridge, for example, where I went to high school, they have six a six four point guard. He's averaging like twenty something a game. He's Isn't a junior. He a junior? Yeah. yeah, so he he could be. Uh, Recruited to play for CU next season, I guess, next year. Well, he's not a wing, so Tad Boyle won't like him. <laughs> that is true. Life Flower Dispensary, point guard. Life Flower Dispensary in Glendale, just south of Denver, serves medical and recreational marijuana until midnight. They're a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, Life Flower carries a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and they carry glass, too. Check out their menu at WeedMaps.com for specific strains and price details or just show up off Life Flower for Life Flower off Weedsdale. That's about, that'll about do it for the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, for Chase Hall, I'm Jake Shapiro. Thanks for tuning in to a little shortened version of the BSN Buffs podcast without some of the main cast of characters you're used to hearing. Uh, if you're in Vegas, hit me up. I'll be doing my thing. I'll be at all the pools. I'll be at all the games. Uh, I'll do well, I'll be I'll be wherever the girls are. Let's put it that way, Chase. Uh, you know you know me. I think people know me. I think people are aware of where I'm at now. But uh, for real, uh, if you're not going to Vegas, uh, t- tweet tweet at me. You know what you want to see or what you want to hear. Whether it's the new pictures of T-Mobile Arena, I'm really excited to get in there where the Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to play. Me and Chase are huge hockey fans, uh, so that'll be a blast for me to see what that arena looks like. Uh, I'll do whatever, so I, mean, I will not do whatever. You know what? I will not no. do whatever. But You said it. Tweet at me <laughs> what you want me to do or what you want me to see. I'm traveling out there, so uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll be the insider for you this week, and, uh, and I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and for Chase, tweet at him anything you want from Pro Day tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, and he'll get that for you. So uh, just follow us along, bsnmember.com, bsnbuffs, and we'll get it. We'll get it. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. Welcome into the BSN Buffs Podcast coming to you from Shap's apartment. Did you see my name on Twitter? What I changed it to? Jake Strip Piro. <laughs> what? For Vegas, Jake Strip Piro. I like it. I was going with. Uh, we also had for the. Uh, these were these were the omissions. Um. Jakey Vegas. Shappy Vegas. On the strip shop. Blackjack Shap, Jake of Spades, Shapskiball. I, well, yeah. I think I like yours the best, Strip Hero. That's the one. That's but, the one and only Ryan came up with, of course. So I like all the other Vegas ones were me. I like Johnny Vegas the one Ryan also came up with that one. Those were the two Ryan came up with. But, so sorry. yeah. <sighs> Brand takes another hit. All right, let's get a mic. Well, that's what he was going for. Well, let me give him a mic check on you real quick.